Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop to the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, podcast with Tony Zip-Terris. Tony, how's it going? It's going great, Will. Basketball is back, opening night this week, for real. Let's go. He's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM, and color analyst, general manager of the WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. True pride of French like himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it's an absolute pleasure. How's it going? Well, great. Now that there's no preseason games that have to be watched. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate it more every year. <laughs> Undefeated, though. Yeah, that's true. That's where we're going to get. Yeah. That's where we're going to get started. Uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, Kings fans are they're riding high in Sacramento. Uh, they followed up their Las Vegas Summer League with an undefeated uh, preseason. So, uh, Jerry, we talked about managing our expectations a fortnight ago. Uh, and now that we're clear on the other side of it, did the, did the Kings do anything in preseason to sway you into being more hopeful? Are you drinking the purple Kool-Aid? I'm, I'm a gargling it, I tell you. I'm starting <laughs> to gargle it a little bit. Uh, you know, the hopeful optimist. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, you know, the truth is that they kind of carried over the summer league in the preseason. That's what you wanted to do. You, they couldn't have done better. They did play well. Uh, you know, their bench uh, certainly much improved from the start of last year. Uh, not, you know, uh, when you just look at how the bench they had last year and how they started. So, yeah, I think there's – Davion Mitchell is uh, certainly an excellent rookie. You know, I mean, you, whether you want to – how good he's going to be, we don't know. Where he's going to place among rookies, we don't know. But we do know – it's, it's very difficult to see Davian being, being any kind of a bust. He looks like a, a real player uh, and added to some real players. You know, I want to talk about that. Uh, first off, uh, you bringing up Davion. Um, there was a specific game against the Blazers where it kind of dawned on me that like, oh, I might be stupid. You know, oh, I might have had this wrong around draft time on who I, who I liked and who I didn't like. Um, he, he ended up going six for nine that game from three. He had 20 points, four assists. And some of the threes that he took were, they were kind of tough looks. He was, he was, I mean, he was taking them with people on him. And at that point, Jerry, I kind of went, I think I sent out a tweet that like, oh, he's making a believer out of me. But he truly in that game, I kind of went, oh, I think I see the blueprint here now. And um, I'm curious, Jerry, to what you think, how much, how much higher is Davion's ceiling in this league? If he can hit something like, well, he's not going to hit six and nine every night, but 40% from deep on a given night. How much higher is his ceiling in the NBA? Well, that, that, at his size, he needs to be able to make that shot. And it certainly appears he's going to. And uh, uh, so I think his ceiling is pretty high. You know, I mean, I, I mean he's a, a small guy who, with a lot of quickness on offense and defense. You know, I always go back to my first impression of him was that he can stay in front of you and you can't stay in front of him. And, it, and that translates to the NBA always has. And, uh, but he's also a good spot shooter. So he's got a little quick spot shot and uh, you know, if teams want to focus on him and guard him, they can, but they, but the Kings have enough weapons. They, they can't really do that. He's going to get that shot. So 
as you pointed out, if he hits 40% of them, uh, he can be an awfully valuable player going forward. And that will give him a chance, I think, to get to the basket a little bit, because uh, without that, uh, he'd have an awful tough time finishing. Tony, what, what was something that you saw out of uh, any of these games that you wanted to comment on? What stood out to you in particular in, during the preseason? A lot of things stood out to me. But one thing I, I wanted to hit, because I'm not sure if we would talk about it otherwise, was uh, if, I, if I asked you to guess who led the Kings in preseason scoring, would you be able to, to guess who that was? I would be able to because I know who led the, the preseason in, in King shooting. Like okay. shot attempts, not necessarily scoring, but somebody who took a lot of shot attempts. And so uh, I'll pass that one to Jerry. Jerry, do you know who led the Kings in scoring? I really don't. Huh? No. It's a surprising, it was a surprising name to me, but if you watch it, I guess maybe not so surprising. But Terrence Davis led the Kings in preseason scoring 15.2 points off the bench. But what's crazy about that number is he did it in 18 minutes. So it's not like he was leading the team in minutes. Terrence Davis was gunning and scoring a ton. And I think that's interesting in that, uh, I think it, I'll speak for myself. I kind of viewed the ceiling for this Kings team as like a 10 seed play-in type ceiling. And I think that's probably where I'd, where I'd stay on that. But there are some pieces here that could raise the ceiling of the Kings. And someone is someone who could do that is someone like Terrence Davis, who we're expecting something from this season, but we're not expecting this sort of scoring. And I'm not saying he's going to score 15 points in 18 minutes all regular season. But for a player that was sort of a, um, a role player on this team, like the eighth or ninth man in the rotation, if he can actually be a very good basketball player like he was in the preseason, then that gives the Kings another weapon that maybe I didn't put too much value on heading into the year. You know, the thing about Davis, and I think we talked about this uh, late in the season, and I always thought that was one of the really bright things that the Monty McNair did because getting him, to me, he's the guy that basically allows you to trade Buddy Heald. Uh, for a different position because you you've basically got a lot of what buddy does in a different form and probably a guy that would fit the uh, off the bench role better and be happier with it and uh you know and and i think that's that's who he is i mean he is a terrific shooter he's mm -hmm. he's tough-minded uh uh you know is he as good as buddy well he you know at times he's better times certainly he's not but i mean there's a gap i think you'd have to say that based on history but you know the thing i love about him is is that yeah you could if you could you know decide you want to trade buddy and, and there's a deal there for you for a different position that you need uh, a bigger wing type thing uh you know i i don't think you i honestly don't think you'd miss buddy too much because you just give this guy more minutes yeah i guess the reason why i answered the question that way will is because for uh for most of the rest of the players we saw sort of what i expected out of them and Terrence Davis was a player who went way above, again, only preseason, of what I expected from him this season. And we'll see how much of that translates into the regular season. I looked it up only because uh, only because I was uh, curious about just how many shots he took. Uh, Terrence Davis um, took 11.2 uh, shots per game in 18 minutes. And um, eight, almost eight of those were, were three-pointers. He was gunning. <laughs> it sounded a little low to me even when I saw that because there was a couple of games there where every time that ball touched his hands, it was headed towards the rim. And, uh, I mean, that's feast or famine. But, he, I mean, to be fair, Buddy Heald led the team in, in field goal attempts at almost 14 a game playing just, just under 24 minutes a game. 
So we have two gunners on this team, and Jerry's absolutely right in that regard, that getting rid of Buddy would allow Terrence Davis to step back into those minutes, and you wouldn't miss much. Uh, you know, Terrence would give a little bit different look, but, you know, maybe a little less volume in terms of three-pointers, but plays a little bit better defense as well. So I I, I think the one thing for me that kind of stood out that that it's not necessarily a positive, but I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this one too. Um, Marvin Bagley wasn't able to, uh, to play those last two games due to knee soreness. And uh, there were some questions because there were games where some of these players took off for rest. And um, Marvin was very specifically left out and placed, you know, well, you know, these six guys are out for rest and Marvin's out because his knee is sore. And so uh, Jerry, I guess I'm curious, is there cause for concern headed into the regular season for, for Marvin or are we just collectively at a point where we can assume Marvin isn't playing until he just shows up on the floor each night? Well, I think you have to be concerned. I mean, I think there's plenty of evidence uh, reason you should be with, with Marvin not being available for duty. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and so uh, here again, uh, you hope it's nothing serious or whatever, but, the, but at the end of the day is I, I have, I'm fairly confident the coaching staff would like to have played Marvin Bagley a lot of minutes and especially in the last preseason game mm -hmm. and, uh, he wasn't available. Okay. Well, you never want to blame players for injuries, but it's also, you can't give them credit for not being there either. Tony, how close are you to being done completely with Marvin Bagley? Have you reached that point yet? Are you hoping to get an asset back from him in a trade? Or are you just assuming, hey, whatever we get is, you know, better than nothing? I mean, I don't think missing preseason games changes my opinion of Bagley that I had at the end of last year, which is the Kings are either going to get something out of him or they're not. But I think what I like about this year's Kings teams is that is they can better handle getting nothing out of Marvin Bagley than maybe they could have last year. You saw Luke Walton go to the four guard lineup to close out. Was it the Lakers game? One of those preseason games that Bagley was not available for and they asked Walton, are you going to use that much? And he's like, well, if we have to, we will. And I think guys like Terrence Davis stepping up or Mo Harkless or um, the Kings now have three centers, whereas last year they didn't have those options with Len, Tristan Thompson, and Rashawn Holmes. I think they're better equipped for life without Bagley. So with him, I'm at the point where if he, if he plays and he plays well, great. If he plays and he doesn't play well, the Kings at least have some better options. And I really don't know that he changes a lot for this team one way or the other, unless he's just great, which seems like such a, uh, an unlikely outcome, not impossible, but unlikely at this point that I'm not going to bank on him being awesome. And that being the reason the Kings are better. I don't think he's going to factor in much. You know, I, I just don't know if it matters a whole lot at this point. So we, we were speaking about Bagley. So I'll lead right into this then uh, as of today at like 3 PM, uh, Marvin is not getting an extension and is headed into uh, restricted free agency uh, in this coming off season. Uh, Jerry, uh, I don't know if you saw, but Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, who's somebody who's also injured in, from that same draft class, who's ultra talented. He got a four-year, $105 million extension. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, on the other hand, who was maybe the third best guy on uh, a team that went to the finals, he isn't getting one at all. You know, uh, Robert Sarver is kind of Robert Sarvering himself a bit. And so, Jerry, I wonder, just in, in between those two extremes, there's there's Marvin, and uh, who's obviously not getting one. And I'm curious, Jerry, as as a former GM, if you were a head of another franchise, would you be giving Bagley a chance from what you've seen this offseason? And if so, how much would you be willing to shell out for the kid right now? No, I would certainly uh, use the restricted free agency uh, situation for what it's meant to be. In other words, uh, there's just no risk 
uh, for any of those teams, including uh, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, in other words, DeAndre, and I think rightly so, expects a max contract. He's not, uh, I don't think he'd be willing to sign one for what Jaron Jackson did. Uh, so, and, and I haven't said that. I think Memphis, if I were Memphis, I wouldn't have done that. I would have had him because you, you still, I, I know a lot of people don't agree with me, but at the end of it, that's why it, you have restricted free agency to give small market teams a chance to really evaluate their players before you make the major commitment to that extra year, because you can't lose them. Always remember, I mean, you can act, give them one more year and more money than anybody else. So even if, if, if another team comes in and offers the most they can match or, or they can offer, you can always offer more and that'll keep them happy. So, uh, so I have never, I've just never bought that. I mean, honestly, you know, I was outspoken and most people disagreed with me, but I thought signing uh, Fox last year was a mistake. Uh, just on the basis that he might not, he might regress or he might get injured. Uh, and then, and then I, with the kind of year he had, sure, I'd be willing to, to do exactly what the contract he has now, you know, uh, yeah, that's fine. But it's just uh, why why risk your franchise a year earlier than you have to? Uh, I just don't understand that. Just because his agent might be unhappy. Uh, and, and his agent and the player will always be happy uh, when, in fact, they play well and are actually offered more money, which the team can do, than anybody else can do. And more money is, let me repeat this, actually more money. And that's, and that'll always make them happy. Is there any fear of, of chemistry issues? You know, if you, if you do that, uh, I know there's a lot of people that kind of their excuses, well, you just have to do that with young players. Otherwise they could get you know grumpier or they could pull up, not necessarily a Ben Simmons, but would want out of the situation because you disrespected them in some way by not paying them their max as soon as it came up. Is it, do you, do you have any, you know, does that lend any credence to you? None at all. I mean, if a player is like that and really would not play as well as he can or be as good as he could be, then why would you want to ever be committed to that player long-term for 160, $180 million, whatever it is. I mean, really, I think that I think the experience would tell you it's like the greatest players and invariably the LeBrons and some of those guys are gladly signed two-year deals because they believe in themselves uh, that uh, they can get more money uh, based on shorter contracts and, and being free agent. Uh, so, no, no, I really don't. I, I mean, I think that's been a, honestly a, a media concoction that they want to, you know, guys making $70,000 a year telling teams they need to spend $180 million so somebody won't be unhappy. It's like, are you shitting me? You know, <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, so... You know, I mean, I think there's the t some teams that did it early, like uh, Boston with Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell. I understood that because these are guys who were the best players on 50-plus win playoff teams and all-stars. Mm -hmm. sure. And so that makes perfect sense. Now, to give uh, – and, and I think DeAndre Ayton is worth a ton of money. Uh, and I think it's, it, it, he had a terrific year, a real breakout season. But I, I'm Phoenix. I'd, you know, they give Mikael Bridges a nice contract. Uh, but you know that he's not looking for that type of contract. That's all I'm saying. In other words, and so until you know what they're looking for, one doesn't have anything to do with the other. And I mean, he's expecting a 
probably a near max or max contract, which I think probably another year like he had will get him that. Sure. And, and so that's, uh, if I'm Phoenix, I'd say, well, I'd like to see it one more time. Now I'm curious, what would you give Marvin now? Just assuming that Marvin has a regular Marvin season, he plays a certain amount of games and averages 14 and seven rebounds. What, what would you be willing to risk for Marvin come next off season? Well, I, I mean, I think, probably what you have to look at. Let's say he had a, you know, that type year and played 65 games or so. I mean, you know, and, and the team really won and he had something to do with it. Well, then, then I think you would start looking around at, okay, he's your, what level player is, was he for you? Was he your fifth most valuable player, third, eighth, ninth, and then look around at other teams in that certain circumstance and try to, Try to, uh, you know, sign a contract. I always say the, the key to me, signing contracts, is sign a contract you feel is obviously fair to the player, but fair to you, and then one you can trade. You know, in other words, uh, you know, without, I mean, you can always trade contracts, but without having to take back a bad contract. And, I mean, that's always the key. So, uh, now what that number would be, I don't think it'd be probably as high as he's currently earning right now. I mean, he'd have to he'd have to prove to be a, a, a certainly one of your top five guys, and the team be significantly better. Then you could talk about more than eleven million a year. Tony, do you feel like there's any hope for Marvin Bagley to uh, remain in Sacramento long term? There's hope, but he needs to be much better. I was just uh, listening to to Jerry talk about it, and, and you talk about it, and it, I think for me it comes down to Bagley needs to prove that he's not easily replaceable. Because right now, everything he's done on the court, to me, seems very easily replaceable by a lot of players that are free agents every single year. So for me to be interested in retaining him in restricted free agency or for me to be worried about another team going out and, and making you pay more for him by signing him to an offer sheet or something like that, I'm okay with him leaving until he proves that he's doing something that I can't get somewhere else pretty easily. And I haven't seen that yet from him. So for me, it's all about, can he stay on the floor, number one, and number two, can he make himself valuable to this team? Because even when he's been healthy, to me, I don't think he's contributed to winning yet. And, and hopefully he does that this year. And it becomes a conversation we can have about, you know, boy, they really need to keep Marvin Bagley. Because right now, I don't feel that way. I don't think a lot of people uh, feel that way either. You know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned um, him being trying to become a little less replaceable. And um, this week, of the Kings, Jerry, dropped a, a video online of one of their practices. And it was Fox getting in front of Davion Mitchell and just hounding him as, as much as he could. And, and that was what kind of drew the eyes is that, ooh, they're really getting after it on the defensive end this year. And that's nice to see. But in the background, you see somebody who was kind of brought in as a Marvin Bagley replacement a little bit, and Tristan Thompson, just absolutely hounding the ball after Davion tries to go up for it and then blocking a shot. And then after the ball goes out of bounds, Tristan Thompson's got – energy just blown out of his ears and he's shaking his fists and he's pumping his arms and he's walking down the court and cursing and just hyped as all hell for a random practice game. And it's one of those things that he was guarding Marvin Bagley and I couldn't help but look at Marvin. Marvin's just kind of a little bit sunken, you know, a little bit kind of like, mm, okay. And, and so Tony, you just made me think of that in the sense that like the Kings do absolutely have replacements for Marvin and you have two energy guys in Rashawn and Tristan Thompson 
And it's going to be difficult for Marvin to prove himself this year. I mean, even if, even if he's, you know, they say that hard work out, you know, hard work out shines talent when talent doesn't work hard. And it's one of those things that I can't help but wonder how much of a shot Marvin's even going to get this year. And Jerry, do you, do you think that Marvin's going to get the playing time or earn the playing time to, to really shine it all this year? Or is he kind of a eighth or ninth guy that's coming in on spot minutes? Well, I think you, you kind of hit it there. I, I think he'll get the playing time if he earns the playing time. I think this year is different. You know, the, the second pick in the draft, that's over. You know, I mean, so he's viewed differently and all, and, and certainly the, the existing roster, they see it differently. So if he gets the playing time, I would assume it'll be because he has earned it. And you, and there's some guys there that are not going to give him, give him the, the, the position. And like you mentioned, Tristan Thompson, I think that's one thing about him. That nobody's ever said that, that he doesn't uh, give you what he's got. He's got some limited skills, but there's a reason. The reason he was picked fourth in the draft when he came out, which most people thought was above where he should be, was because of his really tough, tough-minded play. You know, uh, uh, definitely a team guy that really busts his hump uh, with with kind of limited uh, scoring skills and things like that. And well, well, a lot of teams wouldn't need that at all. Uh, this team <laughs> probably does. Yeah. They need it in spades. So speaking of uh, speaking of working hard here, uh, uh, as I said before, the the Kings open their uh, their season on Wednesday against the Portland Trailblazers, and then wind up uh, they they end up with a pretty brutal opening schedule. They go up against uh, the Jazz twice, the Warriors, uh, the Suns, the Pelicans twice, and the Mavericks to start the season. Um, now the Kings do luck out a little bit in catching uh, the Pels, who are going to be kind of one of those teams that we expect to the Kings to be fighting with for a play-in spot. Uh, Zion Williamson doesn't seem to be playing, so the Kings do luck out in getting to those games early on in the season. But besides that, all those five teams that I mentioned, they all made at least a play-in last year and are all expected to to vie for a playoff spot this year. Jerry, talk to us a little bit about the potential start to the season and just what the reaction should be if the Kings do start slow, because that does seem like a very distinct possibility. Yeah, I, I don't know what the reaction should be. I know what it's likely to be. Uh, you know, and, and, and 15 years is 15 years. And, and this team, really, I think the fan base has just been beaten down, to be honest about it. And so, so it, it really would, in a lot of years, uh, it, you know, playing well and losing some of those games probably could be passed off a lot easier than it will be this year. So, uh, uh, you know, any win you can get, and there's, those are some teams that you're going to have to beat if you want to contend anyway. So maybe the sooner you find out some things and uh, where the Kings might be lucky early, uh, you know, it's the truth is most of those teams really will, will not be taking the Kings as seriously as the Kings should be taking them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that'll be true, but it, it's what it is an early season stuff. You kind of be, look, look backwards to last year type thing. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, uh, it's, it really, it's always important to get off to a good start, but I, I really do think this it might be the most important year for getting off to a good start the Kings have ever had. Tony, talk to us from the fan perspective here. If the Kings, uh, if the Kings start off uh, winning one game and losing the first six or seven after, uh, where do you see yourself and where do you think the, the fan base as a whole goes? 
I don't think that Luke Walton is going to have the kind of leash he needs to start off slow. And so I think the fan base will be charged for that one way or the other. They'll be charged for them playing well and putting themselves in the playoff conversation. And they'll be just as passionate if they come out slow looking for someone to take responsibility for that. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm sure like the Vegas odds for first coach fired. I'm sure Luke Walton is near the top of some of those lists. Um, so I think that's, that's where the conversation is going to go from a fan perspective immediately. If they start off slow again, and by the way, I think like the Kings are, are playing in a way that gives you reason to think they won't, <clears throat> they won't start off slow, not just the preseason record, but their practices have been competitive. Walton has talked about how he has a lot of options. McNair has talked about the playoffs. The players are talking about how great the training camp is. So I think that they're adding pressure to themselves, which I think is a good thing from the outside that they're not really giving themselves room to come out slow. I think if they come out slow, you'll hear it from, I don't think you'll hear excuses this time. I think you'll hear about things, something else being wrong because of how positive and connected they've been thus far. So I'm expecting a good start from them because I think the Kings are going to be okay this year. And if they're not, I do think that is an indictment on something, whether that's a coaching staff, the players aren't good enough, McNair. I don't think it's just the, the schedule. I think they're good enough to compete with these teams, but if they start out 0-8 or 1-7 or something, I'm not putting that on the schedule. I'm saying there's something else there. And as a fan, I'm looking for someone to take some accountability for that slow start. You know what? One other thing I'd add, and I know as no curmudgeonly former broadcaster, but you know, I hope to God I don't hear any of this bull crap. Well, this is a young team. Right. Uh, it's going to, you know, shut up. Uh, this, well, they went to India. Well, Indianapolis went to India, too, and they're actually further away from India than and the, and they won 50 friggin' games. And COVID. Oh, was not the other teams involved in COVID? Did that, was that just a Sacramento area situation? I mean, I, I, I just got so, you know, I just about spit up every time I hear some of that crap. Uh, I kind of believe in the old Jerry Sloan uh uh, philosophy don't ever don't ever make them a uh, excuse for anything mm-hmm. you know if you do you'll get to be making more and more of them and that and i honestly think that's part of the has been part of the problem the last few years they're always looking for excuses when there really wasn't any other than your play so anyway i got that out of my system i feel better yeah and i think there are no excuses they've been healthy outside of Bar- Matt, uh, bagley's knee soreness other teams have been way less healthy they've played their guys pretty good minutes all preseason they've looked good there's i don't think there's any excuses left for a slow start even if the schedule is tough i mean you just can't i don't i mean maybe they're not above 500 for the first two weeks but they got to win some games they got to be competitive you can you can show you're competitive without having a winning record so i i I think the the days of 10 point losses over and over again being excusable i think they're gone for this core this coaching staff in this front office i don't think that is excusable anymore and i really do believe just talent wise this is the most talented team probably since uh maybe the last last playoff team that rick allen had you know uh, uh certainly uh, more talented i think than dave yeager's last team i really believe that so so you know i could be wrong i have been about eight thousand four hundred thirty times but uh yeah, excuses. Don't want to hear them. Just go, go get W's. Tony mentioned um, uh, a bad start, maybe leading to um, the firing of the coaching staff. But Jerry, I'm curious as to 
how deep into a season or how bad the Kings would be before Monty McNair kind of looks over at Philadelphia's way and thinks, okay, fine, we'll give you the draft picks you want. Or, okay, we'll toss in Davion Mitchell where we don't want to, to try to shake up the team using a deal. As a GM, was there ever a time where you thought, what I don't need to do is fire the coach. We just need a different guy here in, 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 on the team and a talent upgrade right away to turn the season around. Well, I do think obviously when you start poorly, if you're playing poorly and start poorly, I think then you look at things uh, that you can change and you can't really just change the entire roster, but but uh, you certainly can look to change parts of it. You can say, okay, boy, it sure looks like these first 10 games were two and eight and and clearly we we, we need more more size at the at one wing or uh, more wings than we have, that sort of thing. And what what can we do to get them? And uh, does that mean you, it means Ben Simmons? No, I think it can mean a whole lot of things, <laughs> you know, that you're willing to do uh, because uh, that sort of thing. Or it's like, say, if it really looks like the wheels have come off, yeah, you'd have to look at the coaching uh, as well. Uh, I mean, I think that's uh, the roster probably would be the first the first thing uh, because it's could be the easiest to fix during season. Uh, so anyway, but yeah, you know, uh, but it's tough because, uh, you know, when you're, if you're going bad, uh, well, then you're, the assets you're trying to trade for something better, it, it really, it, 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 uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work as well. You know, all yeah. of a sudden that, that used car you're trying to sell has got a couple extra dents it didn't have before and it didn't get more valuable. So, uh, so this just gets tougher. Let's talk about the flip side. So I can't be, uh, so I can't be accused of being a, a biased tanker that wants this team to fail at every turn. Talk to me about the other side of the coin. Say the Kings start out six and two. Um, at what point do we start thinking or assuming, yeah, this team is a playoff team where they've got it locked in. Uh, uh, how comfortable are you and how far into the season will you have to be before you can trust the Kings to get the job done and make it into a playoff spot or a play-in spot? Well, I, I think, honestly, I think that's probably almost week to week. I mean, I think with this team, I, you just can't say, well, we're good now because we did that last year, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, we had our stretches and I'm right there like, boy, this team's playing good. And it was. It was scoring and like crazy. And I thought, boy, and then all of a sudden, big losing streak. And you said, oh, my God, what? who are these people? Uh, so, no, I... I, 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 you know, I'm just on the side of boy. I sure hope they win, and we'll just we'll just follow it until they're not. Then we'll step back, maybe. Uh, Tony, what about you as a, as a fan? At what point do you start feeling confident that the Kings have got this in the bag? They've just got to stay in that eight to ten seed pace, and I'm then I'm locked in. I'm watching. I'm engaged. I'm having a good time. When they start falling behind these teams, and it becomes clear or pretty clear that it's not happening then you talk about making big changes but i'm i'm pretty optimistic on the kings being able to do that and i haven't felt that way heading into seasons i agree with jerry there were at times last season where things felt better but heading into that year after an offseason where all you really did was lose bogey you signed some players on minimum contracts i didn't feel great heading into that year I would say this year, I might not feel great, but I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about where the roster is heading into this season. So this is the year where I think actual disappointment will set in instead of that pretty typical Kings fan frustration where it's like, ah, I'm sick of watching bad teams. I feel like in this case, it's a little bit different where the team is not horrible. 
So if we're watching bad basketball, it's, it's something else. It's, it's something didn't click, something didn't go right. I don't think this year that talent is going to prevent them from making the 10 seed. It might prevent them from making the playoffs or a higher seed, but I think they're certainly talented enough to compete for a play-in spot. So that's kind of the line I'll be watching. I think as time goes on uh, and me, me trying to loosen up from being the Grinch or, or the, the, the grump of uh, the grump of the team, uh, I will not trust this team until the eight seed is locked in. If they're the eight seed and they still got to go to the plan, I'm, I'm not trusting anything. I'm expecting an injury to happen or a coach to have a brain fart or, or <laughs> Vladi Divac to tip a ball out to Robert Ori, something where uh, until they beat uh, the 10th seed or the seventh seed or whatever seed they got to beat in to get four games in the playoffs. And it is penciled, you know, in blood that, that the Kings are the eight seed. I won't trust the damn thing because, you know, last season when the Kings were riding high and going on a seven game win streak and I went, you know, you you might have to eat some crow here, buddy. Right about the time I thought that then a nine, you know, a nine game losing streak happens. And it's like, no, you're right. I'm a genius. I'm the smartest person alive. So I'm not I'm not going to pick either side of the coin here until we are absolutely certain the, the the game is about to tip off and then I'll go okay the Kings are in the playoffs or okay the Kings are in the play in but until then I don't I don't trust them as far as I can throw them and Fox I could have probably thrown Fox a couple of years ago a few feet but I can't throw Fox in his rock hard body more than a couple of inches so that's about as far as I trust him this year. Well, Will, then I want you to answer like what. What do you think is going to happen this year? Because to me, you can only be disappointed if you have certain expectations. You can be frustrated. You can be upset. You can be angry. Sure. The, like the emotion of disappointment has to come from having some expectation. So do you think a 10 seed is like the expectation or do you have lower expectations than that? You know, uh, I, I went on, I went on Damien, uh, Damien Barling's uh, radio show with Kenny Carraway recently. And I mentioned that I, I would put the Kings uh, 35 wins or lower. That was kind of prior to the preseason and coming out of preseason. I, there's been times where I looked at the team and you're definitely going to eat some crow this year. But I, I think that 10 seed is a good expectation. I think it's one of those things that you can go, okay, they should be fighting this team. I, in terms of talent level, I, I think that they should be fighting for a 10 seed. That's sad to say they should be fighting for an eight seed. They shouldn't, right. they should I be looking well past it, but yep. that's the, that's the world we live in right now. I, my disappointment or my my emotion comes more from, I guess, feeling apathetic. I don't like feeling apathetic. I'd rather have a rooting interest in this team. And so if I start feeling like, I really don't want to write this game preview today. I haven't wanted to write the last three weeks of game previews. And I'm, you know, I'm off on some tangent instead of talking about basketball. Then that's where I'll get angry. Like, why am I doing this? Why are we here? Why are we watching these games in which nothing matters not just the kings but the other team it doesn't matter you could be playing the phoenix mercury and and i think this team would be down to that's the point where i i start getting emotional uh, i'm fine with being disappointed I'm, fe- I'm fine with feeling frustration over a good team that isn't playing well but there were times last year where the team wasn't good they weren't playing well there was no there was nothing other than tyrese halberton on a given night where i went okay this is worth watching and I can have fun basketball and have the team be bad and and lose games. And if they're fun, I don't care. I mean, there's a reason why I was the tank guy. I was happy with, we could, we could have won 10 games last season. If it was all young guys flying up and down the floor and Robert Woodard turning the ball over 10 times a game, it'd have been ugly, but you know, he's kind of, they're trying, they're they're young. So I, I expect the Kings to be, I don't expect the Kings to win 
or to lose nine games in a row twice a season. And so if that makes me an optimist, by God, that's the most optimistic I can be this year. That I don't expect them to, to lose a combined 18 games in a row twice this season. You know. But outside of that, outside of that, Tony, my my hands are up in the air. I'm I'm it's all up to a higher power than me because every time I've tried to 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 get a read on this team, it's been it's been nothing but 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 raw powerful emotion for me. And I'd rather just sit back and go, okay, you do what you guys want to do. I'm gonna watch you from afar. Well, I think a lot of fans would probably, you know, there's a high percentage of fans that I think more so than I've seen in the past would tend to agree with you. Well, is that it's, it's a stage of show me, you know, show me that that's it. And uh, I get that. I, I get that. It, you know, is it uh, fair when it wasn't that way three years ago or five years ago or seven years? Well, probably not, but, but that's the way it is now. That's just the way it is now. And so uh, you just hope, you know, I do. And I mean, I, I, I'm convinced this team, uh, you know, just they're they're just more talented than they've been, and uh, you know, and I think uh, honestly, I think money is you know the, the things he picked up late in the year and in the draft, and they, they, this is a just a better prepared team going forward. But you got to win games, and, and I'm with you. I, and they, they, you know, it's like last year, uh, the team was very disappointing, and and really still could have made the tenth seed for whatever that's worth. It's not the playoffs, but it's 10th. If they could have beaten San Antonio, who was clearly not as talented at home, but they spit the bit as we, and none of us were surprised. That's, that's the saddest part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Jerry too, that, you know, we see this not just with, with fans that are really tuned into the game, but the casual fan or, season ticket holders. I'm sure the Kings are bleeding money in terms of season ticket holders, but uh, not to get too far off track, but you even have things like the athletic, like Jason, Jason Jones won't be following the Kings day to day because the athletic has gone like, we really don't want to pay for a guy until the Kings are good. Like why, why have a guy there every day gone, you know, uh, you know, captain's log day, 1,443, the Kings have lost again. Uh, you know, you know, people like James Ham are, are losing their jobs because, or or being faded out of their positions because the Kings have spent a decade and a half being terrible. You know, when when companies don't want to follow you and stuff like that, it's like, oh, you guys need to start. You guys need to pick it up because eventually you're going to lose sponsors and all those box seats up there will be empty. And they didn't have a jersey sponsor last year. Yeah, they didn't have a jersey sponsor last year. Yeah, it's, and it's, 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 it goes all the way down the line. Let's face it, even as, as fabulously talented and gifted as we are, <laughs> yeah. there'll be people, if the team is uh, disappointing, there'll be fewer and fewer people pay attention to this podcast, the King's Herald, the whole thing. I mean, it, it's simply, uh, you know, it, it's like James Hammond, a terrific writer, very knowledgeable, and, and but part of it is uh, how much interest from the Kings had so little interest that they didn't feel like it's worth the money to, to do that. And that's, that's where the, that's where it is now. And I think, uh, of course, I also say though, this was just about this way back in 1997, 98 or whatever, the lockout year when the team turned that year. And it was at, at desperate throws to where the franchise could have been moved. And I'm not sure how many would have cared, Uh, you know, but it turned around and obviously, you know, that had those great years, but, but I mean, I think, so I'm just hoping for, I'm not saying it has to be like that, but, but it definitely, it has to be a turnaround. 
It has to be a turnaround, and there's nothing else that will 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 suffice. You know, I mean, you know, you you'll have ten percent of the people that would would support the team if they won five games. You know, they but you you're not going to uh, feed the bulldog on that. And I think I think you're right. Uh, you said it earlier that this year there's just no excuse. That okay, you have the talent that you want on this roster. It is a it is the most talented team we've had in quite some time. We have young stars. We have uh, veterans that play well. We've got we've got every mix of, of of player that you could think of. If you know, I imagine another coach on this team. If Tom Thibodeau had this team, how many games could I expect him to win? I could see this team winning forty five games under Tom Thibodeau if he lit a fire under their butt. And so it's one of those things that like okay, like so if it's not the players, it's the coach. And then if it's not the coach, it's the GM. And then eventually it's just like okay, then it's something systemic. It's something deeper than, you know, this is not a head cold. This is, this is a tumor in the brain and, and something needs to be cut out and keep cutting until you find it. Because the other option is that they just stop paying and the team dies. Yeah. You know, well, everybody, it, it, it's almost a perfect storm in some ways, which I think, and, and I pray they'll work to their advantage is that, that everybody's got a lot to prove. Yeah. Everybody's on the line. Mm-hmm. And that goes right to your top player, Darren Fox. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk about him being an all-star and all that. And I think that he is, and I think he's worth the money he's getting all that stuff. But at some point he has to be the best player on a winner, you know, simple. Mm-hmm. You, you can't be, you know, I mean, Jason Tatum's the best player on a winner, you know, that, <laughs> you know, you don't make those things up. Uh, so yeah, you, you know, he's got to, it isn't about stats. It's just about being, the best player on a winner. Simple as that. All right. I gave my, I gave my prediction. So I'm going to, I'm going to force you guys to lock it. And I said 35 games. So I need each of you to put your toes on the line here and, and, and give me where you guys think the Kings end up record wise. I'll let Tony go first. Cause I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm, <laughs> I'm need to be convinced well, one way or another. Well, I've always been a front runner. <laughs> so I'm not going to deny that. Sure. Uh, go ahead, Tony, be the front runner. Can I skip the specific record and just say I think they're going to make the play in? I don't know how many wins that's going to take. I think that might be a a bolder prediction, though. And I guess this is how I would contextualize the season for me is that um, I've been upset at Kings teams before, and part of that is because I thought that they had unrealistic expectations for themselves. I think a lot of the Vlade Divac era, super team just young, like an unrealistic expectation for what you actually had. And I felt like I was being sold something that was not real, and I felt bad for the people that were buying it. And that's why I think I was so pessimistic and I was definitely closer to you, Will, where I just thought it was never going to work. I think the big difference for me this year is I can see there being enough talent here for them to reach that goal of the play-in. Do I wish that they had loftier goals than that? Do I wish Monty McNair did more to make me think they were an eight seed target or a six seed target? Of course I do. That's where I'm a little bit disappointed is because I heard big trades, splashy moves are going to be aggressive. And I thought, we were going to be heading into this season expecting an eight seed or a seven seed. That didn't happen. But but if I'm like taking away that level of disappointment that I had for what they didn't do and just looked at what they did do and what they have, I do think like trying to take the Kings being cursed and all that out of it, just looking at this roster for what it is, I think this, there's enough talent here for a 10 seed. So that's the expectation I'm placing on them. That's what I think is going to happen. I think there are some teams at the bottom of the West that are going to have injury issues or, or fall out of it early. The Pelicans, who are a big competitor for the 10 seed, they're going to be without Zion. When he comes back, who knows what kind of shape he's going to be in. So I just I think there's enough context in the bottom of the West. There's enough talent here. 
that my prediction, I don't know what the record's going to, I don't know what record it's going to take. I don't, but I do think they're highly motivated to make the playoffs, maybe more than some of these teams below them in the West. And I think they finally, I feel like I'm not being sold something that's not real. I think I'm being sold a team that has enough talent to actually accomplish that goal. So that's where I'm, that's where I'm putting it down is it is a 10 seed. Jerry, I will I will let you cop out as well, and then I'll give my answer to this. Well, no, I'm not going. You you don't have, I'm not gonna, you don't have to give a specific record. No, I'm if you giving want. you everything. I'm going to lay, lay it on the line. Okay. You, know, I, <laughs> you go ahead. You lay it all on the line. This then. team will win 39 games and be the 10th seed. There you go, Jerry. That's it. Put it in the book. That's it. Put it in the book, baby. <laughs> Put it in the book and send it to the sports yeah. bookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so I'm going to stick with mine only because I know that the Kings up until the last. 10, 15 games of the season had some fantastic injury luck in terms of they, they didn't get hit with many injuries at all up until those last, you know, Deion getting COVID and, and uh, the knee tweak by uh, Tyrese Halberton and, and Holmes missing some time. Um, I'm going to say they're, they come into the final three games fighting for the 10th seed and they end up at 11 and I'll be slightly optimistic here and I'll give them 36 games. Uh, the preseason was good enough to, to bump my prediction one game higher. So they'll win 36 and they'll wind up uh, the, uh, the, on the outside looking in of the very lofty 10 seed play in game. There you go. Okay. So now what I want to do is I want to go through real quick, some, some league wide predictions for you guys. I, I want to hear your, who you feel like will be the MVP defensive player of the year, most improved. We can, we can go through them as we go. So, so each one of you guys has to give me, who you feel like this season the MVP will be again? Now, is it going to be Jokic repeating, or do you feel like you got somebody new on board or uh, a repeat of a former MVP? So, Tony, I will again go to you because Jerry shouldn't be the front runner all the time. Go ahead. I'll keep it easy, simple. MVP, I'll go with Giannis. I just think he's going to be healthy. He's learned a lot. Uh, I think he probably should have had a, a better case for it last year, but voters didn't want to give it to him until he proved it. Now he proved it, so I think it's going to be him. Well, good, good. That's an excellent choice. Obviously, not the correct one, uh, Tony, but uh, uh, the correct one would be Kevin Durant, who plays for the Brooklyn Nets, who will be healthy most of the year and is the, the probably the most uh, the best all around basketball player in the world today. I like it. I I, I I'm going to give this one a little bit of a dark horse only because that's my that's my thing. I think Steph Curry is going to win. I think there'll be a lot of crafting down there in San Francisco mm-hmm. that says, Oh, he's, you know, now that they're healthy and they're back to being a, you know, a, you know, struggling through COVID or whatever, he'll put up some crazy shooting numbers this year as kind of his last shot of getting one. He'll, he'll hoist up 500, he'll make three, 500 three pointers and, and they'll give it to him and they'll end up with the fourth seat or something like that as a surprise fourth seat. So the next one is defensive player of the year. Go ahead, Tony. I feel like it'd be silly. I mean, this is a very stupid and easy pick, but I feel like it'd be silly to take anyone but Rudy Gobert. The Jazz are running it back. Great defensive team. Giving Rudy. Well, again, uh, an excellent choice. Uh, it happens to be incorrect again, Tony. You're over two. Uh, the correct one would be Giannis Adetokounmpo because you there's never a time when you can't have him on the floor all 48 minutes in any kind of matchup circumstances where with Rudy Gobert we saw last year where he was a total liability that is true. Uh, at times because uh, he just simply there's people he can't guard and uh, so it's, it's Giannis. I hate to do this but I think it's going to be Anthony Davis. I, I think that the, the oh, Lakers are geez. the Lakers are going to have oh, enough cameras oh, on them. They're going to have a bunch oh. of a bunch of hype around them on ESPN. Oh. He'll be talked about all the time. Oh, is Anthony Davis the MVP of the league? When it's clearly just a bunch of old guys balling out, 
And I think they'll, they'll have a narrative. They, they're going to, I'm, I'm strictly in, people are going to pick a narrative early on and, oh, Anthony Davis, he's the anchor of this team. He's playing better defense than he's ever before. And they, they got to give him one. So they, they will Gross. incorrectly give it to Anthony Davis. Gross, Will. I hope you feel bad. Oh, man. I feel terrible. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think I, I got to spit up here a little bit. Just a second here. Yeah, no, you go, <laughs> you go ahead. All right. So then uh, the next one I want to go through is uh, most improved player. I want to know who you guys think the most improved player of the year is going to be this year. Do I get to go first again? Yeah. I will let you go first, Tony. All right, Jerry, you better be a fan of this one. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm taking a homer pick. I don't know if I necessarily believe this totally, but I just think he's going to have a great year and finally have the role to, to really prove it. And I know second year guys, I feel like they don't often get this award, but I'm, I'm going to go with Tyrese Halliburton. I'm a, very high on Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's going to finally have that opportunity to flourish. He started every preseason game. So I assume he's going to be doing that in the regular season as well. Um, with the Kings being in the play in mix. I'm going Tyrese Halliburton having a, a big, big uh, part of credit for that. Hmm. Like yeah, it. I, I yeah, like it. I mean, I, I, I sure pray that that would be the case. I mean, it certainly it, 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 it could be. Ah, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to maybe kind of go sh- a shot in the dark here. And uh, there's so many guys you could go with, but I'm going to go with my all-time favorite guy that I wanted the Kings to get, Miles Bridges. I just think uh, I, like I just think he's such a good player that just just needs to be seen, and so he, he just plays a tiny bit better than he did last year, and he could certainly be the most improved player. I w- I would have gone with uh, Shagilgis Alexander, but I think that the the Thunder are going to be uh, tanking at least one or two more <laughs> yeah. years, and so I think he's just, just going to stay below the radar <laughs> yeah. and score a bunch of points and be a fantastic point guard. So my my pick this year is going to be. Um, uh, a guy that the Kings should have drafted as well, and that's uh, OG Ananobi. Uh, I, I I think he's going to be fantastic this year for a team that that he's going to get a lot of shots this year for the first time. You know, he's he's going to be kind of one of the the vets on a team with a lot of younger guys. I I really think he looked fantastic in preseason. It would not surprise me one bit if OG ended up being the most improved player of the year just because of the way Toronto was built. Yeah, and he, and he is. He's getting better. He is really getting better. I, mm-hmm. I think that's good choice, all of them, really. And Tyrese could, too. I hope, Tyrese could. I mean, he. I, I believe he could. I, I think if Tyrese does it, he – the Kings – I mean, if for Tyrese to get that award, the Kings have to be an eight seed. Mm-hmm. They, they have to be an eight seed. And uh, not, not in the play-in game, but, I mean, like, the Kings have to prove that they are – well and good belonging in the playoffs for Tyrese to even have a chance, especially as a second year player. And he, he's going to have to really ball out, but that's something that I, I hope for every day anyway. So we'll, Tony, I'll give you the homework. Pick Thank you. One. Okay. So next one is a six man of the year. I'm going to go with the former King on this one. I think this is kind of a super random selection, but Rudy Gay, Utah jazz, that team is very good. And I feel like he does sort of unlock some different things for them. Uh, he can maybe play some small ball center. I know it, the, the league is getting very, very tiny now. Um, he's still very good. He's an older pick, but I think the Jazz are obviously a very good team. He's going to get a lot of national TV spotlight. And I'm, I'm going to go with a dark horse Rudy Gay candidate there. Okay. Uh, I will go and, and uh, you know, it's, it's always hard when you're not for sure how the guys are going to play. DeAndre Hunter of the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, you know, I mean, I know he was hurt at the end of last year, but that guy is a player. 
and uh, he's going to play. And I, I don't see how they can start him, even though he may be very well as good as uh, John Collins. He may, but uh, uh, so, and he's going to be on a good team. So I, I, I think that'd be my pick. A little bit of a, you know, surprise kind of thing, maybe. I think this guy might not get enough. I think he might end up starting a little bit too much. And I guess we'll see when, when it comes time for him to be replaced in that starting lineup. But I think Jordan Bell or not Jordan Bell, I'm sorry. Um, um, Jordan Poole has, has a chance to do it in, in Golden yeah. State. If Clay comes back healthy right away and they got to move Jordan Poole around or back down to the bench, I, I think Jordan Poole is going to be fantastic this year. He's one of those guys that he's just kind of a, an amalgamation, a little bit of Steph and, and Clay, or he's a shooter. He's, he, he's a, he's a gunner by all means. And so a lot of stats, you know, a lot of empty kind of 25 point game nights or whatever kind of come in his way. And uh, so I, we'll see. I'll, I'll predict that Clay comes back healthy. I'll hope Clay comes back. Healthy. Yes, we all do. And then Jordan. Yeah. And then Jordan Poole will, uh, will win that. You know, and, 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 you know, we all, I think all made good, good selections there are people who could be. And, and having said that, I mean, uh, Jordan or Clarkson uh, from Utah was so much better than any other six man in the year last year. And I mean, I assume he'll be in the same spots and they'll win. So uh, anybody that beats him out uh, and there's a good reason he might not get it just because he got it last year. <laughs> That's probably somebody's best chance, but the guy was fantastic. I agree with you completely. Okay. So our next one up is a uh, coach of the year. This is the one I actually feel the best about, and I'm, I'm sure Jerry's going to hate it. Uh, but I'm going with Ime Yudoka. I think all the stars are aligned for the Celtics to be much improved. And the people for coach of the year voting, people love when teams have not a great record. And then at the end of the year, they have a much better record. I think the Celtics could win 10 more games than they did last year. And I just think the, their improvements um, might look better than some of the other teams improvements, which is a, that like that difference is where coach of the year often comes down to is year for year. And I, I think, uh, I don't know, I like Udoka anyways, and I like the team that he has. So I think there's some, some high potential there. I don't hate it, but uh, I, I think I've got a better one. Uh, Rick Carlisle, have you heard of him? He'll be coaching the Indiana Pacers. And I think they had a disappointing year. And if they can get healthy, uh, not just his coaching, but the team is slated to get a lot better. And so he would have a leg up, I think. I, I like that pick. I, uh, I'm I'm kind of going with a similar route with Jerry that somebody that you you kind of hyped up last year that you like as a coach that I I was a, I doubted at first when the move happened to to make him head coach that subsequently proved me to be a terrible basketball mind here but I think Nate McMillan's going to get it I think that with with the the coaching job that he did you know turning around the Atlanta Hawks last year he's going to have a full season to put in what he wants to do. And I, I think that he's got a, a, a good shot of if they end up in the top three in the East, I think they, I think they'll, they'll give it to him pretty easily. Yeah. He's, well, he's, uh, he's good enough. I mean, that's the thing. There's half a dozen guys that are, and he's one of them. And, you know, I mean, and then I think obviously Budenholzer and, and Monty Williams won't get it. And, you know, regardless, and, and you know, and they do marvelous jobs or Mike Malone certainly is capable. Uh, we know that, uh, Quinn Snyder, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that are awfully good. And, hey, uh, probably none of us will be It's going to be somebody that. completely different. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm, saving, I'm saving one for last, so we'll do this one next. Um, executive of the year. And I want hot takes on this because I know there's, there, everybody's one move away from winning executive of the year. Oh, man. 
I want to take a will answer, but I don't want to get uh, roasted for it. You know what? I'll, I'll give mine first. If you want to go, I'm going to, I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be strangely optimistic here. And I'll say Monty McNair, Monty McNair will trade oh for Ben Simmons. The Kings <laughs> will, the Kings will suddenly win 54 games and Monty McNair will be named, will be named executive of the year. You don't, I don't even think you believe that. I'm putting all my money. <laughs> I, I don't, oh, not for a second. But you know what? When it happens, we're going to cut yeah. that sound bite out and we're going to say I predicted it and, and, and I can keep living another year. That's smart. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, shoot, I'll go with Rob Palenka. I hate taking that, but I, the Lakers made so many dumb, smart signings with no cap space this summer that they kind of they don't have to rely on the buyout market again like they have in years past. So I think I just think they added a lot of depth there and the Lakers are obviously going to probably be very good. So um Unfortunately, that's that's where my vote will go. Here's what they'll say: They got Russell Westbrook for Buddy Heald money. They, that, yeah, but that, but like Malik <laughs> Monk, I love the Malik Monk signing. Some of the other names they use it near their bench. So, all right, Jerry, let's hear it. Let's hear the true answer. Okay, I actually, I would, I would have Monty in my top three. By the way, I, I really Ooh. would. But, but number one, I'm going to go a little bit out there. Mitch Kupchak, Charlotte Hornets. I think they're posed to, to, you know, be, be pretty darn good. And, uh, and, and so, and good guy, uh, done a good job over the years. And so Mitch, it is. I like that. He's got a young roster, but he's got some, got some solid veterans on it and, and uh, they've got high expectations and obviously he's drafting fairly well. So I, I see it, Jerry. I hate that you guys both pick Lakers guys, but. But we'll, I can forgive you for it because I got a Lakers. Well, he, he's he, he's been uh, you know he's not always been a Lakers guy. No. And, and I first, <laughs> and I, I first knew him in in other roles. So uh, and so I first met him when he's North Carolina playing. So that shows you how old I am. But so I, I give him a pass on that. Kind. Those, you, those and and the Lakers got rid of him, which makes him more valuable in my eyes. You know they treat they treated him bad, so therefore. Yeah. Sure. You know, he can be a beloved figure once again. There must be something good with him if the Lakers treated him bad. Yeah, That's what I say. Well, there's no question about it. You know, it's hard I to rub the stink I, of the Lakers off of you, though. It takes more than a couple hey, of years. Hey, I'm just so thrilled. And I, I'm going to say this. I, I am so happy. I, I am convinced that the Lakers, by not doing the Buddy Heel trade, hmm. are going to regret it. I think that, you know, I know the, you know, the Kings will. Uh, I mean, truthfully, I mean, they, they would have been set up for a top eight, I think, but there could have been, but, but I think the Lakers really, he's exactly what they needed. Sure. He's exactly what they needed and they don't really have right now, unless Malik Monk is, you know, which it could, could be, you know, he might do it, but anyway, so, so I'm just happy and hope that that just, just works out poorly. All right. Our last one here. And the one that uh, I'm curious most about to see uh, Homerism versus uh, realism here. Rookie of the year. Who do you guys think is going to be rookie of the year this year? Jerry, do you want to go first on that one? Yeah. Uh, I think Jalen Green will be rookie of the year. Uh, he's going to start. He's going to uh, put up a lot of numbers, you know, and losing efforts for the most part. But that's still – and he is and he is good. He's got he's got a lot of a lot of game. And, uh, you know, and, and Tony's guy might very well be the second uh, – uh, Alfred, uh, Al Sengun. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Jalen Green. 
I should have went first because that was my answer. Then you could have told me I was right. But uh, I do think, <laughs> think Jalen Green, like, I don't know. The, the Rockets are going to be fun and weird. They're going to be like a fun team to watch. But I feel like the Pistons might not have that fun element to them. And Jalen Green's obviously going to put up a ton of ton of points. And I think he might win win the narrative of having like the fun rookie season on this weird team with all these other rookies. Um, so that's my pick as well. Jalen Green. I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm pulling a wheel here too, again, but I, I kind of think that there's an outside shot of Josh Giddy winning uh, sure. rookie of the year. I, I think he's going to have all the playing time in the world. I think that when, when the, when they decide to pull the plug on any good players on the, on the thunder, they'll sit Shea Gilgis down with a whatever ankle injury for 20 games. But Josh, Josh Giddy has, that excitement factor. He reminds me a lot of like Ricky Rubio when Rubio first came into the league where Rubio was putting bounce passes through Dirk Nowitzki's legs and stuff like that, where Giddy's going to get a lot of highlights in the same way that LaMelo ball got highlights. And even though the thunder are terrible, I think Giddy's going to have a lot of eyes on him. And there's a shot that he, he kind of, he green's going to score more points. Green's probably going to be more valuable to his team, but Giddy's going to have enough eyes looking at his highlight reels that he kind of swoops swoops it from from green maybe not in terms of scoring or anything else just purely on people loving the way that he plays the game you know my uh, my second choice actually would have been scotty barnes i yeah. I, I you know i mean I, I just love the way he plays he, if he can find a little offense and but you know he's going to be extremely well coached and they're going to find a way i think find a way to utilize him so i think I, i'd be surprised if he doesn't have a really nice rookie campaign but but I, I like to say I think the green he's going to put up so many so so big numbers and and I, I don't disagree with your shot on Giddy I mean he's he's going to play and he he's got enough scores to play with that he can he'll look good he's got a little little bit of Lamelo ball in him no doubt if if we're allowed to give uh, a second answer I feel like all three of us can't give two answers and no one say Kate Cunningham I can hear Bryant West like listening yeah, to the podcast and the Jeff Hill being like <laughs> you guys named six rookies before anyone mentioned Kate. So I, I think I got to at least say the name to, to save us some, some trolling. Yeah. And he might, and, and he's, he's been good. I, I just, I do kind of wonder if the expectations are so high yeah, on yeah. him that might, that might work against him. I, you know, and I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with his play, but I, I definitely can see that part of it maybe working against him a little bit. I'll name one more too, just, just so that way we cover our bases and everybody's got a chance at a soundbite that gets us a, Gets us a little bit of virality here at the end of the season. Uh, I think Jalen Suggs has a chance. If if the Magic if the Magic do anything other than than just be the third worst team in the East, I think there's a chance that Jalen's it's because of Jalen Suggs that he's getting playing time and he's doing it on both ends of the floor. He didn't shoot that well in preseason, but I do think that if he comes out and has a really good couple of first months and starts starts hot, that the Magic if they can piece together this weird young defensive kind of heavy team that maybe he gets a little bit of play to him. He, I might say that he might be top three in, in rookie of the year voting, not necessarily yeah. rookie of the year, but I think he'll. Yeah. The tough thing with him, I think is that, you know, with Orlando, with uh, uh, Kate, or Cole Anthony, you know, I mean, it, you know, basically a second year player that is really yeah. kind of a shoot first uh, tight point guard and they don't know. I mean, so we'll see how that goes, but I, I sure like Suggs. I, I, I agree with you. I, I'd, I'd almost be surprised if he's not the guy in five years that, that maybe has moved to the top of the pack. Yeah, for sure. 
he's, they also have Markel Fultz that they gave an extension to. So yeah, that's right. He's so that's right. So <laughs> Orlando's got, a weird team, so I kind of go. They got, something's got to fall lottery, apart. Three lottery pick uh, uh, point guards, yeah, all young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Super team, just young. Yeah, there you go. That's right. That's right. Orlando can have that one now. I think we're done with it. I think we've used it. <laughs> yeah, Orlando can keep yeah. that one. As long as they're not referencing a Franz Wagner in there. Sorry, Brian. Sorry. But, uh, yeah. Franz isn't getting in the top 10, buddy. No. <laughs> okay, so lastly, before I send it over to Tony, uh, I want to just take a second to give a huge congratulations to a friend of the Kings Herald, uh, um, Morgan Reagan. She's been the co-host of the Deuce and Bo podcast, in addition to working with the Stockton Kings as a color analyst for the last three seasons. She's just been all over the Sacramento sports landscape for a long, long time now. Um, Mo was recently named co-host of the Kings pregame live and Kings postgame live alongside uh, current host Kyle Draper. And I really can't think of a, a better, harder working person that that position could have gone to. And it's neat that it's coming from a Kings fan, you know, somebody that was a fan first, mm-hmm. that's kind of risen through the, the ranks and, and earned her stripes. And now she's sitting in this uh, um, amazing position. And, and so I wanted to give a, a, a congratulations to Mo herself, and uh, we look forward to uh, to seeing what she has to do. And I think she's going to be huge. I think she, I think she's going to be a hit on on, yeah. uh, on both the pregame and the post. She'll be great. Yeah, I just wanted to give you a second. Yeah, go ahead. She will be great. Yeah, she will be great. I, I just love Mo. I mean, what a delightful person, hard worker, like you say. You know, basically has worked for everything and very deserving and. You know, just a terrific addition to that to the pre and post game show, and wish her the best. I'll be, I'll be, be watching Mo. Yes, definitely. Congrats, Mo. All right, Tony. I'm going to send it over to you for the uh, Patreon question of the day. All right. Um, on every episode of this podcast, we ask one question from our Kings Herald patrons. Um, that's Patreon.com/slash Kings Herald. You guys submit questions there to us. We'll ask them to Jerry. And then any question that doesn't get used on the main show, we do a big Q&A show once a month where we ask all the leftover questions. And we actually got a, a lot of good ones this week. Some of them we covered already. So I'm going to try and pick one that, that Will didn't already um, kind of ask as the show went on. So this question comes from jburdick23 on Twitter. Uh, I know he's been a listener for a while. Yes, Jerry, is there any young player on the Kings besides Tyrese that you expect to have a breakout year and he adds that he's fully in the tank for Lewis King, as am I. But Jerry, is there any uh, young players on this roster that you expect a lot from outside of Tyrese? Well, I, I have. I really like uh, King as well, you know, and I think he he could be, you know, he has enough talent, I think, to to really carve out a niche. Now, I don't know that he will. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's some a lot of questions to be answered there, but. Uh, you know, he, you know, if he could just play somewhere close to the way he showed during the summer, uh, you know, he might carve out some minutes and, and really would uh, really change the dynamics of this team, I think. But uh, so I'm on board with your thinking. I, I just I just not sure that it, it's there yet. I don't know. I think uh, I think the, the, the questions with him has always been, will he do it consistently? Well, uh, you know, he'll bring the focus and and intensity every night uh, that's been with him for, for years. And, you know, we saw in the summer league, we saw a couple of weeks where he was there every night. Yep. And, uh, and I, I think that's still maybe the question that's being asked. So uh, we'll, we'll know, you know, we'll all know probably by December if, if that could happen this year, but yeah. uh, it, you know, he is one of those guys that I've always said for every guy that you see, that's a, 
that really carves out a really important niche as a player in the NBA. There's 10 guys of equal talent that don't mm -hmm. for different reasons. And, uh, and if Lewis King doesn't carve out a niche uh, in this league, you know, because he has a talent, if he doesn't, it's on him. Will, is there a young player outside of Tyrese that you're kind of like sneaky high on? Yeah. You know, I'm, 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 I'm pretty curious about a Jemias Ramsey. I really want to know if it's for real or not, because he had a fantastic summer league. And right after a California uh, classic where I thought, well, that's the end for those two guys, you know, in terms of him and Robert Woodard, you know, he hadn't played well when he'd gotten an opportunity and he didn't get very many opportunities last season. And it was a, it, the, there wasn't really a G league team for the Kings to call their own. And so he'll probably end up spending a lot of time in the G league, but I'm really, really curious to see if he can, if, if this was a flash in the pan or if this was more of a fire that started with Jemias Ramsey, I, I think he's incredibly talented. I think the, the way he attacks the rim and can hang in the air and, and adjust his body in midair, like there were certain things that I looked at. I went, yeah, this is why they drafted him. And now it's coming together a little bit. So I, I'll give a, I'll give a, a honorable mention to Nemius Keita, who uh, he's going to spend all of the time down in, in, in the G league. But I do think that he's a, a fantastic mix of, shot blocking and passing. And those are two kind of funky things to, to throw together. And if he can figure it out and even be, if even if it was just as a bench player, he'd be an incredibly valuable player on the Kings, you know, not this year, but in a couple of years when Alex Land and some of these other guys might be moving on. And so I'm really looking to the development of those two. And even if one of them hits the Kings, the Kings can afford to get rid of uh, more expensive players they can afford to move some things around and, and really be in a spot to finally climb the ladder in, in the Western conference. Yeah. You know, the thing on Ramsey and I, I agree with you, Will, is that I, I watched several of the G league games and I didn't never like Woodward. I still don't. So yeah. that, that's that just kind of made my mind up until yeah. further notice, but Ramsey, I, I thought unperformed in the G league. We didn't see anything reason, but then the summer league, he was terrific. He really was. Mm -hmm. And I thought, he and Davion, and I think Davion probably had something to do with it. I think it gave him the confidence to play kind of balls out like he did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely think there's a player there. I, the problem he's got is the numbers. They just don't, they don't work for him. Sure. You know, so I, I, I just don't see, as opposed to King, uh, the, you know, I, I don't necessarily think King deserves a chance more than Ramsey <laughs> or as much probably, but, uh, the numbers are different and the uh, positioning and all that sort of thing. So uh, I just hope they uh, certainly with Ramsey, I hope they hang in there another, another year, uh, you know, just to try to stay with them and, and, and develop them as best they can. And you, you guys know, I'm not one of those people who think you're, Oh, you just got to develop everybody. Well, a lot of them can't be developed. And the sooner you move on from it, the better off you are yeah. and bring in somebody that can be. So, but I think he's one that, uh, don't close that book yet. What about you, Tony? Oh, I was going to say, Jerry, you were right on Woodard because I remember being on this podcast last year uh, wondering if Woodard was going to get any playing time and being upset that he didn't. But every time we've seen him since then, it is not, he just hasn't looked like an NBA player. I don't know. I'm, if my, if all hope is not lost for him already for me, it's, it's pretty, pretty close to empty. But um, I do, I like what Jemias Ramsey has done in preseason as well. And it, I don't know when he started doing this, but he plays so physical now. And I, I think it started in the, in summer league where he will go to the rim so recklessly and he's built enough to finish over NBA guys. And I'm not sure he could do that uh, in his rookie year. 
I think that's another reason why a buddy heel trade is so appealing because Ramsey goes from a guy who has no shot at minutes to the next guy up, maybe if they get rid of one of these guards. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of why I think Ramsey's a good pick for this, because I think if anyone's going to get traded on the Kings, it's probably going to be Buddy Heald, which does open up a spot for someone like Jemias to get some minutes. And I think that it's going to take that because, like you said, Jerry, the, the logjam at guard is so is so heavy. But um, I, I, I don't know. Every time Ramsey has passed every test so far after his rookie year. So I'm just excited to see more of that. Jerry, let's uh, let's roll on down to you for the uh, Reynolds wrap up today. Well, a couple things, you know, I just getting forward to the looking forward to the NBA season. You know, I always think, you know, if I'm if I'm Luke Walton, I think one of the first things I'd want to tell my guys, you know, if you know, if you guys really want to do something, uh, you'll find a way. And if you don't, you'll find a way. And it's time to find a way to do something. You know, it, it's just that simple. And, uh, and, and then my other thought, just on the NBA itself, I, I, uh, I'm hoping uh, the NBA has gotten so predictable. You know, every team pretty much looks the same. You know, I've never seen it quite so, so similar in the sense, with the exception of talent, where, you know, everybody pushes the ball, looks to shoot three in transition. Then they go into a high screen and roll or a, a, a draw and kick game. And, uh, and that is until the last few minutes when it counts on winning. And then some teams don't have anything to go to other than that. And we won't name names. Uh, but I'm just, I'm just hoping that some, at some point there is a little more structure and maybe a little different approach by, by a few more teams, as opposed to, you know, you just change the uniforms and the players, and, but everything else is pretty much the same. And I, I think that's a, that's a recipe for boredom, <laughs> you know, uh, unless you're just, you know, those teams that are great, great three-point shooters or great post have the superstars. You can't take your, eye, your eyes off of that sort of thing. So anyway, that's just my thought. You know, I, I love the game, but I, I would like to see a more versatile game uh, than we're seeing right now. Jerry, it sounds like we need to uh, we need to really push the NBA to uh, to implement your uh, your Reynolds rule. That's what we need to be doing. There, there's a couple of rules they, they need to have. Like I've said, you know, get rid of the corner three; it'll make for a better game. Uh, move the move the inside guys on the free on free throws one one notch back just like they are in college to get away from the wrestling and the hand fighting and all that. You don't need it. Uh, if you miss a free throw, you shouldn't get it back. Uh, so anyway, those two things would be a, a nice start. And of course, anything they can do to uh, speed up the game the last six minutes, so it doesn't take an hour and a half would all, also, which I think they've, you know, putting in some situations there, a few less challenges and things. Well, for everyone here at the Kings Herald, I'd like to thank you for uh, listening to another episode. Uh, the season started. We're, uh, we're hoping to bring some new things to you and some, uh, some fun guests along the way. So stick with us, and uh, we'll see you when the season starts, uh, starts kicking in here uh, on Wednesday. So uh, once again, thanks for, uh, thanks for watching, and we'll, we'll talk to you guys soon. With the Kings Herald Barbershop.